All right. Well, we're going to finish up tonight the, the first section. I was hoping I'd finish it last week, but we didn't. We've been kind of taking our time on worship, entering in. And I don't know if you could tell tonight, but we, we pushed a little bit harder. We're, uh, it's, it's a desire of our team, of, your, of this church, of the leadership, that we genuinely worship the Lord. Amen? And sometimes it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes it stretches you a little bit. How many knows that when you start a new job or you start a new relationship, stretching happens. You start doing things, some things you weren't used to. You might stretch your, stretch your uh, activities out. Well, same thing in worship. You know, there's always, how many knows in your work you can always do a little better? You can always improve. You can always learn. Well, I believe worship is that way. It says in, in the scriptures that we go from glory to glory. It's not going to be like last time. It's going to be a little different, and I believe it's going to be a little better. Every time we worship, I'm looking for a little more. A little more of God in my life. A little more of that being filled up. So tonight, you know, I, I, hope, I hope you notice. I hope you enter in with us. We're, we're going somewhere. We're not just singing three or four songs, we're trying to enter into the presence of God. And when we do, and as a tongue and interpretation came, let me tell you that is absolutely appropriate. It's happened all through, it's happened in the New Testament. Tongues and miracles have not ceased. They will not cease until they're no longer needed. And I believe the time that, that healings and miracles and tongues and interpretations and prophetic words aren't needed is when we have the Word here with us. Who's the Word? Jesus. And He's coming again. But until then, we need healing. We need miracles. We need a Word from the Lord that tells us either we're on the right track or we're not. It's what we need worship for is to wake our spirits up and to be able to hear the voice of the Lord speak to us. Because how many here tonight needs a word from God? You're desperate for one. Well, let me tell you, worship is the way in. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. You want to get in the room with the Lord? Praise him. Thank him. Worship him. It says that he inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? He, he doesn't just come. He comes and he sits. He fills. He stays. Not good? You need a word? Worship. Worship. Entering in. We've been talking for a pretty lengthy time now, I guess about three weeks, about the story in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 about Elijah saying, oh, we're going to see whose God is who. Who's the real God? Your God or our God? Let's build an altar. Let's put wood on it. And let's call down the fire of your God or my God and let's see who's God. Will you all accept that? Yeah, we'll accept it. And whoever's fire comes down, we'll worship. And you know the story. They tried. It didn't work. Elijah poured water on his and the fire came down and consumed it. Drank up all the water that was even in the trenches. That's so awesome. I love that. And what did the children of Israel do? They turned. And we've seen here four simple words to help us understand worship. I'm going to go quickly to catch us up because we will finish tonight. 
we will. Remember the first one? Relationship. Elijah did not get where he was. He didn't call on the fire of God without having a relationship with the Lord. You don't just stumble into something and ask for fire from God and get it. He had been walking with the Lord. He knew how to call on the Lord. If you ever look at his prayers, man, they were effective. And they were according to God's word. And let me tell you, God responds to his word. He responds to his kingdom. And when we as his children line up with his kingdom and call on him according to the way that he has designed it to be called on, he will respond. I need an amen right there. What comes next? It's what the children of Israel did. And I clicked too fast. Sometimes I get a little click happy. Repentance. Everybody say repentance. When worship really happens, hearts begin to turn back to God. I can tell you that growing up in, at Cookville First Baptist, that my heart didn't turn unless, to be honest with you, unless there was music playing. I couldn't hardly be reached. Had I gotten hard, had my heart gotten hard, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what had happened. But I can tell you, music through, through worshipers, music reached me. It reached me in a negative way. Uh, I could, Satan could get a hold of me through music. God could get a hold of me through music. There is something powerful about music. Powerful. I believe it's going on around the throne of God 24-7. I believe it is the most beautiful music anyone has ever heard. And I can tell you that when, when the music starts, in, in my life, my heart's wanting to turn somewhere. That's why I've got to really guard what I listen to. You know, we've got to guard what we let our children listen to. And I don't mean just music. I mean TV. I mean friends. I mean even parents out of your own mouth. What are they hearing? Because when the music starts, my heart, I'm drawn to it. And when, when I would be in First Baptist Church and they would do some musical number, they started having uh, classical players, violin, strings, and that sort of thing. And I've never been a big classical fan. Still, I'm not a big one, but I listen to it just because I know it's good for me. I know it's uh, cultural, and it's, it's quality music. But they would start, and it would just hit my heartstrings, and my heart would want to turn. Have you ever had it happen in here when the music starts, the drumbeat starts, or, you know, you want to react one way or the other? You've, you've got a, you've got, there's a call happening to you to, to either choose the Lord or choose to reject does music affect anybody else that way? I got a choice. So many times I'm not in the right mindset. I come in here and it, and it upsets me. How important my mindset is and that I come in here with the right mindset. To be honest with you today, I'm not a very moody person. But I've been moody today. I'm not very moody, but I have been so moody. I, I bit somebody's head off today for nothing. I had to walk in the sanctuary tonight and, and tell myself, have a good attitude. Have a good attitude. 
These people that have walked in here ready to serve, ready to volunteer, ready to give their hearts. You better doggone get your attitude right. You know what? We're about to worship the Lord. Somebody needs to line up and it's not God. It's me. What is that? That's repentance. As simple as that may sound, it's turning from where I want to be in the flesh to where he desires for me to be so that I can receive. Anybody with me? When worship really happens, our hearts turn back to the Lord. If repentance is anything, it's the renewal of worship. When you and I begin to repent, our heart begins to warm toward God. But until we repent, it stays cold. There are three typical types of, of people that come into the, into the worship service on Sunday, all throughout our nation, when it comes under this heading of, uh, um, hang on, I'm, I'm kind of jumped the gun here. The next step after repentance is rulership. Now, if you notice what we're talking about, we're talking about repentance, we're talking about rulership. I'm sorry, I kind of got ahead of myself. I kind of get excited and I want to I go. But um, rulership, what is that? Were you here when I preached so long on authority, on the umbrella? How you got to get under the umbrella, how awkward it is when you're walking with your wife. And my wife is shorter than me. She's not short, but she's shorter than me. And if she holds the umbrella, you know who gets wet? It hits the umbrella and then lands on me. Well, I can try to get under it, but I don't fit under it. I don't care if it's a big umbrella. I don't fit. It's not her place to hold the umbrella. That may sound so goofy or sexist. It's not. It's godly for the man to cover the woman. That's not anti-women. That's pro-women. The, the role of the man is to take care of the woman. Protect, be strong. The woman's beautiful like a flower, needs to be cared for. The man's rough, ugly, mean, stuff growing all over them. They're ready to go smack somebody. Rulership. It is the process when worship of us coming under the umbrella. We fight so hard. I was talking to some people yesterday about how, as a man, we've got pride. It's so easy for us to get our feelings hurt when somebody tells us to do something or that we did it wrong or that we've messed up. That's hard. When God does it, you know what? Either we, we've got an option. We can either get out from under the umbrella or say, yes, Father, you know what? You're right. Come under that. Can I tell you a story? I've told this. I'm, this is going to be my regular story. I tell the fish story. I'm going to tell the other story on the same guy, Joseph B J uh, Bishop Joseph Garlington, African-American pastor in Pittsburgh. Uh, had a time where he was driving in his car, and he was the type that, that wore the, the thing around his neck. I don't even know what it's called, but, you know. Okay. But uh, did you say collar? Anyway. Anyway. The white thing. You know, uh, so 
he's driving in his car and praying to the Lord and having, he's a worship leader and a pastor, a tremendous thousand church pastor, multi-thousand. And he's praying and the Lord speaks to him. You've got a problem with anger. And Bishop, Bishop Garlington says, no, Lord, I don't have a problem with anger. I love everybody. I don't, I don't get into it with anybody, nothing, you know. I, I'm good. Pulls into Walmart or wherever he was and some lady took his parking space. Have you ever had that happen? You're sitting there waiting, the car pulls out and somebody, oh, it just makes you want to shout hallelujah. <laughs> and what did he do? He proceeded to get out of his car and chew that woman out. Forgot he had his little neck thing on. Because the woman said, oh, I'm so sorry, Father. And you know what it did? It, it completely humbled him. And, you know, conviction came. The Spirit of God came and brought correction. Same day, he gets back in his car going somewhere else, and he says, uh, Brother Joseph, you've got a problem with lust. And you know what he said? Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Show me. Forgive me. Instead of reacting, he accepted. He accepted. You know, when we talk about rulership, when you talk about worship, it is not a time to just sing songs and hear a good electric guitar player play or pianist play or violin. That's not what it's about. It's about us aligning ourselves with God. Saying, you are God, I am not. I've made mistakes. Forgive me, Lord. Let me get clean. Let me get clean in the name of Jesus. Let me get clean. Then finally is number four, and it's renewal. I'm going to take just a few minutes right here with this word renewal, which is what I kind of feel like is the final result of worship. You know the story, we've talked about it over and over, the fire comes down and the praises go up and God really, really did a, a wonderful work. And if you remember, Elijah built the fire, he brought the wood, he brought the sacrifice, but then he said, go get barrels of water and pour it over the sacrifice. Do you know why Elijah did that? Why he said, hey guys, go get me some water. And you know, the prophets of Baal, the, the people serving Baal, didn't put water on their altar, on the wood when they prayed. And you know, all they wanted was just a little spark, just something, some kind of fire. And he said, go and bring me some water. And they kept bringing water and dumping it. If you can imagine this being the, the altar and putting wood on it, and we're going to try to light this thing and just pouring water on it. If we went outside poured water and poured water and poured water until literal ditches started to form around it and fill up. <coughs> started filling up. There was water everywhere. Bring me more water. I believe that Elijah brought the water to show the people that when God comes, he doesn't need any help. He doesn't need any help. It doesn't matter the condition of your sacrifice. 
Doesn't matter that you feel beat down, no good, nasty, not worth anything. Because at the time that that fire lit, that wood was useless. At that moment, there was no use for wet wood. At least not for that sake. When God comes, he doesn't need any help. One of the greatest things I believe to see from this uh, story of worship, this story of trust, this story of faith, is that God can use wet wood. God can use wet wood. I believe that the real God, Jehovah God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of David, God of Paul, God of John, not the one that we work up, not, the, not, the, not sometimes the one that we kind of get off track on, but the real God. You don't have a problem. You don't have a need. You don't have anything that God can't light that wet wood and take care of it. You have not walked in here to leave coming up short. Your life is not to be a life that comes up short. I read nowhere in here that God's the God of coming up short. I don't even read that God's the God of breaking even. I read that he is the exceeding abundant God. The God of more than enough. The God that if we would trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. I believe he directed Elijah's path. And he lit that wet wood. Who was the wet wood? It was the children of Israel. And you know what he did? He lit them. The fire of the Lord came into their hearts and they turned. It was a picture of a nation that had gone the wrong way. And the fire of God came and the nation, the nation turned. Can God turn a nation today? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Worship does several things. Worship brings a new perspective. When we really worship God, we see things differently. How many times have you come in here hurting and left with different perspective? I believe it's the presence of the Lord. Worship brings the desire to obey God. How many times do you come in here and say, I'm, I'm quitting that what I was doing? What's happened? The Spirit of God has come into you and has given you the courage and the strength to say no. Now you've got to walk out of here and you've got to say no. Amen? It helps us to see God's sovereignty. It helps us to see that God's in control. When we really worship him, it helps us to see that God is on the throne. Look what this does. When, when we worship, he gives physical, emotional, and spiritual rest. Was that a big yawn? That was per perfect timing. <laughs> It's so funny. 
<laughs> Number five, worship brings us power. <laughs> oh, glory. Brings us power. Hang on, I'll, you can go to sleep in about two minutes. That must have been some good worship because he's wanting to bring some good rest. It brings us power. It empowers God's people. When we worship him, Mom, is that my mother? <laughs> Isn't it funny how you know a voice? I've not heard her, heard her laugh like that in a long time. <laughs> It'll just make it worse if we stand here and focus on it, won't it? There's an empowering that comes when we worship him. Come on, I'm almost done. Fruit. Fruit of worship. Number one comes the presence of God. There is a benefit to worshiping the Lord. I've just told you, he inhabits the praises of his people, and he comes and he fills us. If anybody was here Monday night, man, the presence of the Lord was very, very strong at, at awakening. These young kids, these young kids on stage, uh, these young kids up front, these older kids that, that were a part of it, including myself and a lot of the, the leadership that was here. Let me tell you, the presence of God was here. And then uh, Pastor Stephen gave his testimony. And then this uh, little young girl from uh, Crossville, is that right? Baxter gave her testimony. Let me tell you, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. And somebody, I believe it was more than just somebody, got free Monday night. The altars were full. We probably had 150 uh, or so in here, 180, uh, somewhere in that range. Um, here, f experiencing God's presence. It's good. What else is uh, the fruit of worship? It brings conviction. You know what? Let me tell you, conviction's not bad. Conviction's good. Condemnation and conviction are not the same thing. Feeling guilty and living and wallowing in your sin is one thing. Getting convicted and free and out from under it and go to the judge and let him judge you. Blood of Jesus. It's not guilty. It's not innocent. It's the blood of Jesus. It pleads. Jesus pleads the blood. And the blood equals the innocence of Jesus Christ being sin-free. Conviction is good. It is, it is the open door for you to walk through and get out from under your bondage. The Lord says, you don't even know you're bound up right here. Well, come worship me. I'll show you. When you come into the presence of God, the nasty stuff has got to come out. When you come into the presence of God, no sin can be present. That's why conviction comes. Worship in church doesn't need to make you feel bad. It needs to get you cleaned out. It's good. 
What else? Brings deliverance. How many of you have ever been delivered in worship? I have more than once, more than twice. I don't think I could keep count. It's kind of doubling up here. We received the power of God. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a download station. You plug into God's source and sync up with him and receive his power. We're so accustomed to that with our cell phones and with our iPods. You got to plug them in to get the power, to get the apps, to download, to get going. That's what I believe that's what church is for. It's a download station. <coughs> it's a place to sync up with God, get filled up, and go turn your volume up and blast it out to the world. And then you run dry again. You go back to the throne of God and get filled up again and go do it again. That's good. As we worship him, we start to get sensitive to his voice. It spiritually opens up our ears to hear. It positions us to where we stop focusing on our stuff and on ourself and focus on him and realize he's speaking. By the way, the Lord still speaks. He is still speaking to you. We've just, we're just walking around like that. And we don't know it. We're walking around like that. Have you ever had a child try to listen to you and they won't look at you and they're just going a thousand miles an hour? But if you will stop them and make them turn their eyes to you, they will hear you. Same thing's happening with us. God, where are you? God, where are you? And we're just running in every direction. But in worship, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry, God. There you are. And then finally, it gives, an, uh, I said this as uh, um, in those other five, that other five lists, but let me repeat. A new perspective, literally, the atmosphere changes, literally, tangibly. I don't mean just spiritually, but tangibly. Have you ever felt it? Felt so thick you felt like you could slice it with a knife? Tangibly. I one time was with Pastor Matt, our former pastor, down here just praying together. And my arms, I felt like Popeye. I didn't feel strong. I felt like my arms weighed 50 pounds each. And I got a little concerned. I'm like, I, it's not that I can't lift my arms. It's hard to lift my arms. And Pastor Matt said, weightiness is a result of the presence of the Lord. I don't mean weightiness where we're weighted down and bogged down, but a heaviness. And I could, I could tangibly feel that. And he said, don't, don't move. Just stay there. When you truly worship, he inhabits. You know what it says, another translation? He enthrones. How many of you need God on the throne in your life? Not you on the throne, God on the throne. That is the best place I can be. Is him on the throne in my life, in my marriage, over my children, over my finances, over my church. God on the throne. The moment I take the throne, it all messes up. Everything changes when you worship. Yes, you can experience 
some genuine worship around you, but all this fruit I'm talking about comes not necessarily when we worship, when you worship. The key of this is you. You. Your worship. Don't come in here and, and experience somebody else's worship. You worship. Sometimes somebody else next to you kind of gets you going. I love being by somebody that's really worshiping because it fires me up. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but if I'm ever out in the congregation, it doesn't happen often, but if somebody's really in tune to the Lord and really worshiping, you know what I want to do if they're over here? I'm listening. Amen. Man, that, uh, the fire of God's on that person. Mm. Let me start flowing in that. I'll start talking it up. And all of a sudden, that anointing, that flow, mm. and you don't get weird, transference. Mm-hmm. Now, who else is... That's why in worship, if you'll get going, I'll stop and I'll listen. I want in. John gives a tongue and interpretation. Yes, Lord. Let me go stand next to him for a minute. More. I don't know who it was. It was you, John, started prophetically singing up here. Mm, yeah, I'll shut up. I'll have what he's having. Amen? Let's pray. I went too long, but I got done. Some, somebody give me an amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the worship of the Lord. I thank you for hearts turning to you. Lord, help us to genuinely turn our hearts to you. We will turn our eyes to you. We will set our eyes on you. We will set our eyes on you. We will turn our hearts to you. Lord, let us not miss the worship that we're singing. I don't necessarily care about singing the song. I care about turning my eyes to you. I like to sing the song. I like to worship you. I like to turn my heart. But I want, I want the fruit. I want to do what that's saying. I want my heart to connect to you, Lord, in my worship. It may have sounded wrong me saying I didn't want to sing the song. I do want to sing the song. But I want to sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and really mean for you to open my eyes of my heart. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. We worship you, Lord. Let this church be found worshiping. Genuinely worshiping in spirit and in truth. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lord, let us be filling ourselves up with your word. And Lord, let those two worlds come together in spirit and truth. And let it come out as genuine worship that you desire. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll see you Sunday morning, 8, 15, and 10, 30. We're going to be talking about victory, Romans chapter 8. Amen.